Praise the Lord. Amen. Today is Palm Sunday. Amen. I'm going to say an amen to that. You know, you know the people in Jerusalem, they say, Hosanna. Blessed is the King of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. How profound that is today. We have come to celebrate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. To know more about him, to just allow our hearts, our minds to be moved by it. Amen. I pray today you came with the heart expecting something from God. Anybody here expecting from God? I'm expecting from God this morning. I don't want to leave here the way I came in. I want, I want to be transformed. I want to be renewed. I, I pray that you'll allow the Spirit of the Lord to just kind of make a deposit in you. Because how many know if we need anything more, we need a little bit more of God? We need a little bit more of God, right? How many did they know that it's God's heart to manifest himself to you? Anybody know that, that God isn't trying to hide from you? He's trying to show you himself. And that's why I say to so many people, there's so much more to God if we'll let God be God, if we'll let him demonstrate himself. So much more is happening. This message today, so much more, is the fourth message in this series on the King's Domain. Next Sunday, we're going to finish with our resurrection service. How many know that we have a kingdom whose king didn't ask you to die for him? He died for you. Anybody hear that? Let me say that one more time. My kingdom, because I'm here to tell you, Joe Biden ain't going to die for you. <laughs> Donald Trump, he ain't going to die for you, right? Uh, but I have a kingdom whose king died for me. Ah, somebody, so that I might enter into his kingdom. And so I'm here. I'm here uh, celebrating this wonderful occasion. So again, today is Palm Sunday. We're going to get into some conversations there. And we're going to get there kind of, I'm going to say in a very wonderful way. There's going to be a little bit of exposition of the scriptures. I pray that you're ready to hear it. If you have your Bibles, again, this message is entitled So Much More Part 4 in this series of King's Domain. So if you have your Bibles, please stand. We're going to read, read the word of the Lord if if. if if you don't haven't already seen it on the over uh, on our on our video and our projection, we are in Saint John chapter ten, and I want to read a scripture that I believe that when I read this Saint John chapter ten, that when I read this, I want to help you to come into some understanding about God. Let me ask this question as we kind of get into this a conversation today, and I pray that everybody will affirm this. How many today believe that God loves you? How many believe that God loves you? Now, I'm going to tell you that you have a God who's jealous, <laughs> that your God is a consuming fire. And so I just want, when I ask you, do you believe God loves you? I want you to know that that's a loaded question. And sometimes we kind of passively uh, say, yeah, 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 God loves me. How many, how many know that in this world uh, th there are people that will say they love you and, and that question is loaded, right? There's an, exp an expression in that. There's a, something you might have to be mindful of. Somebody say hallelujah. I mean, know when you get married, you, th there's, that's, that's a loaded thing, right? There's going to be some duty and detail in it. So I want to read something to you. This is going to surprise you about what Jesus said and, and, and the expression of this love towards, towards God. And, it, and, and I'm going to parallel this into St. 
John chapter 11, which is the next chapter. So notice you were in St. John 10, so I want you to see how this works. Then we're going to transition to St. John 11, and I want to share a story from there with you, okay? And then, of course, you know St. John 12 is the triumphal entry. It's Palm Sunday. So I'm just going to give you the Bible in chronological order, chapter by chapter. Are you, are you ready? St. John 10, verse 14. Listen to Jesus. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. So I know my sheep, my sheep know me. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. Watch this. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Wow. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd tap yourself say he's talking about me right there now now, now watch this transition this is powerful most people when they read that won't even comprehend the depth of what Jesus is saying but I'm going to explain it to you he says therefore doth my father love me watch this because I laid down my life hear this that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Wow. Y'all ready to get down? We're going to get down. Let's get down. Pray with me. Pray with me. Come on. Let's just get our minds away from everything, every duty, everything. Holy Spirit, we pray a calm in the house of the Lord. Just, just a rest, a repose that the people of God can, can lay aside any duty, any care, anything that may be moving this evening. Maybe some work that's lying on somebody's desk, maybe a deadline, maybe a thing that is causing a, a sense of anxiety in the house of the Lord. Maybe today somebody got a bad report. And they've come to the house of the Lord because they need remedy. They need help. I pray that, that, that over these next 30, 40 minutes that we can lay all that aside because God's going to address all of that. He's going to move in all of that. And I just pray right now for the family of faith to situate themselves in the Lord, in the presence of God, that they would rest and, and, and find a, a time of, of not only resting but strength in God. A, a rejuvenation in the Lord that Holy Spirit only you can bring us into and so we pray that help that, that, that effort to be uh, uh, amongst the family of faith that, that when we leave today we're going to leave out of here in the strength and power of God out of his purpose and so we pray that and we pray together as a family of faith and we pray it in Jesus name amen and amen listen uh, uh, go grab somebody say hello to somebody and I want you to tell them this there's so much more. Will you go grab somebody and tell them there's so much more? Go grab somebody. So much more. much more, my man. So much more. 
there's so much more. Brother David, there's so much more, my man. Brother Jesse, so much more, my man. Blessings to you, your family. I see you got a guest. I want to say hi to you here in a minute, my man. That's your nephew, amen. I'm going to come give you a hug in a minute, my man. So much more. Elder Ray, so much more, my man. Thank you. So much more. So much more. Amen. So much more. How awesome it is. How awesome it is. My God is awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So much more. So much more. Give a moment here. Let everybody find their way to their seats. Amen. It always takes a while when people go say hello and greet each other in the Lord. It's good to salute each other. And, you know, I almost feel like sometimes we need to get back to the day when we greet each other with the holy kiss. Look at your name and say, watch out now, watch out now, watch out now. <laughs> you know, I've encouraged the church over the last several months as we've gotten into the king's domain to begin to perceive the teachings of Christ, not with the lens of your salvation, but with the lens of the kingdom of God. Because I'm here to tell you that Jesus didn't teach salvation. Jesus taught, how do we bring heaven down to earth? Not how man gets to heaven. It, it radically alters the way you interpret verses. For example, the, the most popular verse in all of Christendom, most of you probably already have it memorized. It's John 3.16. Watch this. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Most people think we're talking about heaven and we're not. Jesus was not trying to teach you how to get to heaven. He was trying to teach you how to bring heaven to earth. Remember that eternal life, everlasting life, is the knowledge of God, revelation of God, uh, places where we can see the manifestation of God that we might know God better. How many are glad that you know God? I mean, you know a lot of people in your life. You've got a doctor you know, and you've got an attorney you know, you've got a CPA, you know, an IRS agent. Come on, somebody help me. But who you may not know is God. Who you need to know is Him. This radically alters your perception of all things if you know God. Everlasting life is the knowledge of God. Or better yet, what's been revealed to you. Could I suggest to you that one of the greatest verses in all of the Bible concerning the knowledge of God was the very first thing we read about God in all of creation speaking. He said this, let there be light. Not the sun, the moon, and the stars, but let there be revelation. Let there be knowledge of me. I'm here to tell you, God's not hiding from you. Will you look at your name and say, God's not hiding from you, baby. He's too big to hide. <laughs> I mean, you know, you get real big, you just can't hide anywhere. 
How many, how many know big people in your life? You know, sometimes big people come into your living room, you say, have a seat, and they're going to look at the chair first. <laughs> They're going to check out the whales, make sure the screws are tight, because big people just can't be anywhere. They need a lot of room, right? Uh, your God is distinctly the same. He, there's revelation of God. L listen, there's more to God than what you know right now. Don't perceive that you have it all figured out. There's more to God. There's so much more to God. Uh, can, can, can I give you another revelation? You got your Bible, right? Uh, open this revelation. Go to St. John 14. Uh, let me let you hear Jesus say what we just read there in St. John 10. He says, the Father loves me. Come on. Because he loves me, I'm going to lay down my life. Come on. Now, I want you to catch that. Because Jesus is equating the love of God into the laying down of his life. Uh, most people won't fathom that. That, that, that how could the love of God produce in me a crucifixion? So, so are you there? St. John chapter 14, go to verse 21. And this, this is what Jesus says. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that what? Loveth me. And he says, and the Father will love him. Watch this. And I will love him, catch this, and manifest myself to him. Did you see that? So Jesus is equating a manner of love into manifestation. Could I suggest to you that the more God loves you, the more he shows you of himself? There's lots of ways God's love. So, so, so don't try to pin me into a corner. I'm just giving you an understanding of the scriptures that, that sometimes if you really want to know God, right, it's going to come out of his love for you. And there's just some people whose love isn't deep enough to get to some of the deep matters of God. So we're just kind of superficial in our love with God. But, but, but I believe there's probably two or three people in here that say, Pastor, I want to go a little bit deeper in the love of the Lord. Anybody here would say, you know what, Pastor, I think it's time for me to go a little bit deeper. I've been, you know, here in the water up to my ankles. But how many know, you're going to have to jump in sooner or later. I'm looking for some people, old school people, remember that old Nestle tea commercial? Remember that old Nestle tea commercial where that old brother get that, get that uh, iced tea and then he was standing right by that pool? Y'all remember this? And then he'd drink it and then he'd say, ah, and he'd fall, fall right back. Y'all remember that, brother? That's what I'm hoping I find, some people like that that'll just fall into the pool of the love of God. Y'all ready? I just want to show you that love has a lot to do with manifestation. And God has loved you a lot of ways, but if you really want to know the depth of the love of God, it's always going to come in knowing him and him manifesting himself. It's what I call the glory of God. And this is why I teach the kingdom of heaven, because the kingdom of heaven is about bringing glory to the Father. Brothers and sisters, anybody here that says, you know what, the Bible says, in all that you do, whether you eat or drink, in everything, bring glory to God. And if you want to lay up treasures in heaven, when anybody says to you, oh, thank you, you've been so kind, so benevolent, I really appreciate all your help. And if you say, hey, nothing but a thing, I'm a real friendly guy, you've lost the glory. But if you say, you know what, I'm here because God sent me, and I want to let you know who brought me here. Give glory to God. He's the one who did it for you. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the one that's sent. And we bring glory to God. Ah. So I want to show you something. You're still there in your Bible, right? Because, you know, we're in John. And I'm just trying to manifest that love here today. I want to manifest a deep sense of the love of God. Are you in John chapter, four, uh, chapter 11? I want to read something here to you. And so I'm just going to walk you through these, these pages 
so that we can, we can get over to the entry, the, 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 you know, so that you might have a palm leaf. Anybody got a palm leaf today? I got a palm leaf. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow my knee. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give obedience to Jesus. He's my king. Yeah. Right, so, so, so I want you to see how this transpires. Notice that in St. John chapter 11, in fact, I might even read this because uh, I, I don't, I don't want to miss a word. I can, I, I'm going to quote some of this. I'm going to read some of this. Look what it says. St. John chapter 11, we know there's a family that knows Jesus. It's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But I want you to see there was a, there was a message that came, and I want you to read it because I want you to hear it because in actuality, I pray that you would put yourself, inject yourself into this verse. This is what it says, verse 3 of St. John 11. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. He didn't need to put a name. They didn't say Lazarus is sick. It says the one that you love is sick. Oh, somebody, tap your neighbor and say, we're talking about you this morning, baby. That, 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 that thank you, sir, that, 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 that the message came that the one that you love is sick. It's not a name. It's just the one that you love. And do you know that Jesus knew immediately who they were talking about? Now watch what happens. Jesus gets this message. This is the one that he loves. He didn't take off running. He didn't bolt down the street. He didn't saddle up a horse. He didn't get a donkey and run down there to Bethany to see what was going on with Lazarus. The Bible says, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. But for the glory of God. The Bible says so. He abode there two more days. Now remember what's happening in Bethany. That The people in Bethany are weeping. I mean, Lazarus is sick, man. I don't, I don't know what his problem was. I don't know what his illness was. But whatever it was, it killed him. It took his life. I mean, he's a sick man. And I want you to see that Jesus wasn't concerned about that. He stayed there two more days. He didn't run down. He didn't, he didn't make no attempt to go. You know why he didn't go? Because he loved him. Oh, y'all got to hear that. See, everybody said, what do you mean he loved him and didn't go? Exactly. Because Jesus says, well, I'm going I'm to love you so much, Lazarus, that I'm going to reveal to you the nature of God. You know, some of you are going through some stuff right now, and you're wondering where God is, and all God is trying to do is show you his love. And you say, well, God, where are you? Why are you taking so long? What's the delay? What, what's happening here? And God is saying, listen, I want to reveal myself to you. I'm going to show up right on time. How I many you know we got an on-time God? You know, he may not show up when you want him, but he's going to be right on time. Because what is he doing? He's trying to give revelation of himself. Not everything like this happens with God. Will you snap your finger? Look at your neighbor and say, God isn't up there doing this with you. And you can't do it with him. How many know your ways are not God's ways? And the second you try to figure things out, that's exactly how God's not going to do it. <laughs> How many know your thoughts are not his thoughts? Your ways not his ways. So Jesus just abode. He said, I'm not, going, I'm not going right now. And if you look at the scriptures, the Bible says, now Jesus loved Martha and her, and her, and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard there, therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place. Y'all catch that? And then Jesus says, okay, it's time to go. 
He's buried. He's dead. I want to go when it looks like it's over. <laughs> I just said something. I, I, I'm talking kingdom. See, some of y'all are thinking salvation. I'm talking kingdom. I'm talking about the power of the kingdom. I'm talking about the manifestation of the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm showing you how the kingdom works. Watch this. So Jesus said, let's go. We're going to Jerusalem or to Bethany. And then the, the disciples said, Lord, they're trying to take your life there. And he goes through the hours. How many know they believe in 12 hours of the day, right? Daylight. And he says, if any man walks in the light, he won't stumble. And he's given all of these really practical illustrations about how God works. And the Bible says, finally, he says, well, I'm going to go awaken Lazarus out of his sleep. And the disciples said, well, good. If he's sleeping, then he's resting. If he's resting, he'll get better. And then he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. Look at your neighbor. Jesus knows he's dead. Don't trip. He knows. This is kingdom conversation. When he gets there, notice what happens. Martha sees him coming. She doesn't run and say, oh, Lord, you're here. Finally, we've been waiting on you. But here's the situation. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know what Jesus answered? The answer we're all looking for. The answer she was looking for. He delivers it. This is what he said. Your brother will rise again. He reveals what he came to do to demonstrate the glory of God. I'm here to raise up Lazarus from the dead. And then she gets religious like most of us do because we don't comprehend the kingdom. She says, I know. I know he'll rise again in that sweet by and by, over yonder, over yonder there, you know, in that, in, in that, in that coming when every man, when everybody's going to be resurrected. And then you know what Jesus said? I am the resurrection. Yeah. Wherever I am, listen. Here's the problem I have with us celebrating resurrection. We celebrate it as a Sunday, not as a person. That's the problem in modern Christianity, that we come together. You know, it's going to be churches are going to be packed. You know, Sunday I'm going to tell you it's going to be packed. So get it early if you want to see it, otherwise you might be standing up. It's going to be packed. I only got 150 of those chairs. So think about it. Think about what you're going to Listen, what I'm going to tell you is this. If all we view is Resurrection Sunday as a day that we come to celebrate the rising of Jesus, then we didn't get the point of it all. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And it's important you get that because wherever Jesus is, there's resurrection. Wherever Jesus is, there's life. You don't have to wait for a future day. He says, listen, why are you waiting for something in the future when I'm here right now in the present? He's going to get up. doesn't matter when he shows up. When he shows up, he brings resurrection. He brings life. And he wants this point to be known. And he's teaching it to them by delay. He's not giving it to them when they want him. He's, he's walking them through a process because the more he delays, the more they're going to comprehend the love of God. And the more God is going to be glorified. I don't know about you, but I want to be an agent of that glory. I, I want to be an agent of the glory of God. I don't ever want to be anywhere where I think Jesus can't handle it. 
I, I don't ever want to be procrastinating, putting something off. Oh, you just wait till Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus is right here. I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. I don't got to postpone what God has already given to me in the, in the, few, in the present. So I want you to see this. So, so when he told Martha that, she says, oh, yeah, 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 Lord. Uh, I believe that thou art the son. That you are the Christos, the son of the living God. And she took off to get, get, to get her sister Mary. You know what Mary, Mary said when she got to Jesus? Except this time she's crying. She says the exact same thing that Martha says. Well, where are you? Man, if you had been here, we wouldn't be going through all of this. She's weeping. She's crying. She, she, she's distraught. She's in, she's in a situation where she, she's already written it off. It's, it's finished. It's over. It's kaput. There's nothing that can be done. Where were you? And then Jesus sees her weeping. Now, I want you to hear this. The Bible says that Jesus groaned in his spirit. Uh, most people will see that and they'll say that he was like, oh. That's not the groaning. Jesus doesn't groan. Oh. We were, we were eating uh, a Thursday night for my birthday party. Guys came together. We had a little meal. And, and I, I laughed at Raymond because he was eating his enchiladas, right? And somebody came across him and I he says he didn't know if they was trying to get his food, so he put his, his, his arms around. He said, <laughs> He goes, just in, so they know, I, 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 this is my food. This is my plate. When Jesus groaned, that's what he did. It, it, it's, it's that groaning like, like you, you're getting upset. Do you know that the Bible says that he was troubled in his spirit? The same word troubled is found in the same place where we see the man at the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says that when an angel would come down in sundry season and, and trouble the surface of the water. So Jesus was groaning and troubled. In other words, there was a righteous indignation of the accusation that he wasn't there on time. Will you look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is on time. You got an on-time Jesus. He's an on-time God. He is not far away. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and the Holy Ghost dwells in you. Our God is an on-time God. He'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Brother and sister, listen, quit postponing what God wants to do right now. The Bible says Jesus wept. I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I can't tell you in all of my studying what actually caused the weeping, but I know he was upset. I can almost see. Anybody here ever been upset to the degree that you cried? Yes, I know most people cry out of emotion, but some people can cry when they get upset. Yes, it's a good cry. It's a good cry. How many ever cried when you saw an injustice, a thing, and you wept over it, man? You know, I would like to think that's where it's coming from, but I can't, I can't say that definitively. The Bible says that when he said, where have you laid him? He said, Lord, come and see. As he went, there were Jews there and the crowd there that accused him of the same thing. They said to him, oh, look how much he loves Lazarus. You know, just patronizing Jesus. Because you know what the next sentence was? 
Couldn't he that opened the eyes of one blind kept this man from dying? And what does the Bible say? Jesus did again. He groaned in his spirit. And he was troubled by that. Because here's the people of God not understanding the kingdom of God. Let me give you a principle of the kingdom. Anybody want a principle of the kingdom? Jesus says, when you go, preach this saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, not 10 years, but the kingdom of heaven is right now. Somebody say right now. Right now. Somebody say right now. In fact, get up right now. Go get somebody and just squeeze them and say, the kingdom of heaven is right now. Just get up and get somebody. I'm not going to keep preaching until you grab somebody and say, the kingdom of heaven is right now. Right now, right now, right now. It's right now, it's right now, it's right now, it's right now. It's right now. He's a right now God. And if you believe, you'll see it. Isn't that the, the request to, to Martha? Do you believe this? That I am the resurrection? That I am the life? Do you believe this, Martha? Oh, yeah, I believe that thou art the Christos. I believe you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. But that's as far as she gets. It's just religious rhetoric. Uh, he groaned. Uh, uh. Where have you laid him? The Bible says that that same Jesus, now I'm getting to the triumphal entry. I'm, I'm going to have you here in a minute understand why those branches came out. Listen, how can you celebrate Palm Sunday if you don't know why they're celebrating Palm Sunday? <laughs> How can you come and say, Hosanna, uh, 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 Jesus Christ, the King of Israel, if you don't know why he's king? Uh, do, do, do you know the Bible says that Jesus said, where you laid him? And, and, and they went out, and, and, and of course, Jesus stood there in front of that stone, and he says, roll away the stone. Isn't, isn't, that the, isn't this, you know, I, I see this, this as a place where all of us are at. Where Jesus is saying, I'm going to roll away that stone. And you, Lord, I, I, I got one. <laughs> let, let me ask you a question real quick. No, no, no. Roll the stone back. L Lord, are you sure you've considered? Roll the stone. L Lord, are you sure you want to do it? Because if you roll that stone back, it's going to stink in here. I said, Martha, didn't I tell you? That if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I'm here for the glory. I, I, I'm here to show you that my God can do this. This is what he does. This is what he wants to do. I'm here to do the will of the Lord. I'm preaching to you the kingdom of God. He's going to do it. Can, 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 can I read something to you? Do you mind if I read something to you? Because I think, I think this, is, this is something that, well, let me just, can I read it to you? Amen. And they took him to the place where the stone was, where they placed the stone. 
where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they might believe that thou hast sent me. You know the rest of the story. Why y'all looking at me like, what's next? You know exactly what's next. They rolled the stone back, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out! <laughs> and out came Lazarus, still in, the, in, his, in his funeral clothes, wrapped like a mummy. He says, unwrap him, untie him. Do you know that all of Jerusalem, even unbelieving Jews, began to believe on him? Through what mechanism? It was glory. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was glory. Somebody say glory. glory. The Bible says that when that happened, they wanted to take him as king. So when Jesus comes back into Jerusalem, the prophet says, be careful because your, your king is not going to come in with the chariot of horses. He's going to come in on the back of a colt. He's not going to elevate himself. But the Bible says when the people saw him coming, they put palm branches. And they said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the king of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. For who else could do that except the very son of God? Okay, so next Sunday. We won't be here together on Good Friday, but everybody knows what Good Friday is. Can I help you understand that the same way that Lazarus treated, that Jesus treated Lazarus is going to be the same way that God is going to treat his son? Brother and sister, let me, let, let, me, let, me, let me see what time it is, see how far I can go. Oh, I can go. It's 11.30. Look at your clock, 11.30. <laughs> if you take medication, you could take it now. It's 11.30. I want you to see something about Jesus. The Bible says in Galatians 4.4 4, that in the fullness of time, catch this, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law. What does it mean to say in the fullness of time? This is what it means, that God was looking for a precise moment in human history to send his son into the world. What was he looking for in particular? A particular manner of death that only a king's death would do. He couldn't have sent them today because, you know, even our most hardened criminals, when we execute them, is very humane. Oh, whatever your opinion is on the death penalty, I didn't come to discuss that. I'm just here to tell you that when somebody is executed, at least here in the state of Texas, it, it's done by injection, lethal injection. And the first injection is a painkiller because we don't want them to suffer any pain. We don't hang people anymore in the gallows. We don't get a firing squad. They're not burned at the stake. Jesus was crucified. Did you hear what I just said? They crucified him. I can... It is supposed that there is not a more painful death 
than the death of the cross. Hammering through your feet, down through the heels of your, of the, the, your, your heel bone, the, and driving spikes through it. Whipping you to an inch of your life. Uh, the beating that he took from evil men. As they said to Jesus, prophesy who hit your face. The prophet Isaiah says he was so marred and so disfigured that we, as it were, hid our faces from his disfigurement. He was brutalized. That pain was incredible, and God was looking for that. It's not a mistake that God found the fullness of time to produce the most pain he could inflict on a single soul. Because we know what the Bible says. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. Has anybody in here ever suffered the pain of sin? You know how deep that hurts, how it cuts. It's what we call godly sorrow. For godly sorrow worketh unto repentance, not to be repentant of. You know why you don't have to do it twice? Because it hurts you so bad the first time that it caused you to go the other way. Brother and sister, I'm here to tell you, we have one on that cross that died a painful, excruciating death, and he suffered that pain for you. Check it out. Most churches, in fact, I've only heard, read, this is years ago, that there's a church in Europe that has Jesus crucified on the cross without the loincloth. Most everywhere in the world, out of modesty, and I would say out of, out of carefulness, I, I don't suppose I have much objection, but we always put a loincloth on the Lord. But do you know that Jesus was crucified naked? I don't know how you feel about yourself when you're naked. Next time you get out of the shower, stand in front of the mirror, see how you feel about it. <laughs> call it modesty, call it whatever. But I'm sure within a reasonable amount of time, you grab your towel. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> I, I would pray that if you ever saw anybody naked, you would cover them up. Anybody hear that, right? I pray that you cover up. Look at your neighbor and say, you better cover up. <laughs> how, how, would you, how would you like to be brutalized, bloody, uh, near death? Uh, and, and if anybody wants to see how excruciating it is, all you got to do is open up Psalms 22 to read about what David prophesied that, he, that, that Jesus uh, declared, that Jesus spoke, that even his tongue claved to his roof. He was thirsty, and he says, All my bones are out of joint. All my strength has left me, and people are surrounding me, and they're mocking me, and they're tempting me. All the while, while you're naked. Do, do, do you know that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Wherefore, seeing that we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us cast aside every weight, and the sin would thus so easily beset us, that we might run this race with patience. What does the Bible say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy of the cross despised its shame. Isn't this the mind that we're told to have? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Man, I'm telling you, there he is in all the shame. All the shame. God's not rushing to save him. God's not going to take him down. Some of y'all know that Jesus asked the Lord, is there any way I can do this without going through your wrath to get it accomplished? God said, no, because I'm going to demonstrate my love in you. Jesus, I'm going to give you the fullness of my love. So now you might be a little bit more careful when you say God loved me, right? Oh, well, well, you know, I don't know. You know, let me get my hand up. You know, I'm going to have to use two hands to get it up. Because God will sometimes delay to manifest greater glory. We did it in Lazarus. God did it in his son. This is why Jesus says, the Lord loves me. Because I laid down my life. He didn't say I was going to get pierced through by arrows. He didn't say that they were going to shoot me. I was going to be hung, strung up. He says, I'm going to be crucified. He didn't know it then. He knew it from the very beginning. The moment the disciples identified him, you've read this, that the Bible says, when as soon as I identify him as the king, he said, now let me tell you how I'm going to die. I'm going to be turned over to evil men. They're going to beat me. They're going to take me. They're going to crucify me. What did Peter say when he heard it? Far be it from me, Lord. I'll never let them crucify you. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest the things that be of men, but of God. Hear that. Be groomed in that. Bible says, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, yama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, the whole place went dark. You know those 12 hours that Jesus said, man, listen, you can only work while there's a... Now it's night. And what happens? We all know what happened. God just turned his back on him. Because sin separates you from God. The one who knew no sin was now alienated from God. His source, his strength... His ability to draw into the power of God, the kingdom of God. Its ability was now taken from him. And we know what happened. Jesus said the greatest words that ever been ushered in, in all the history of the world. He said this. It is finished. The Bible says he yielded up his goal. I mean, he had that power to let it go. To finish it all. That no matter how deep a person may be, they can be rescued. No matter what the situation is, no matter how far gone you think it is, there is the resurrection and there is a life commanding that thing to come forward. Do I got a witness in here this morning? I got a witness in here this morning. I'm talking kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God.
Look, look, stand with me, stand with me, stand with me, stand with me. Just stand with me, just stand with me. Just stand because I came full circle. Look, I got my palm branch this morning. And my Jesus is here. I am not alone. I walk with God. I walk with him. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? L- l- listen, let me, let, me, let me say something to you. Just, just close your eyes. I just want to let something seep into your spirit. Uh, Lazarus was not the first person raised to dead in the Bible. This goes all the way back to the prophet Elijah. Some of y'all are familiar with the widow at Zarephath, whose son died, had a heat stroke. Some of y'all remember the story that Elijah laid on him. Y'all remember this story? And if I remember this, this story right now, the Spirit's talking to me right now that there were three times he laid upon that son, that, that child, and his life came back. Y'all remember a similar story. This is the, the Shunammite woman. There, there's a story. And I, and I want to say these are all recorded in 2 Kings. If, if my memory's right, there, there's a Shunammite woman there. She made a little, a little penthouse, a little place for the prophet to stay when he would come through town. And, and the Bible says that her son, he died too, and and, and the Bible says that, that Elijah, y'all know these stories, he sent his servant Gehazi to, with his staff and he came back and said, no, nothing happened. So uh, Elijah went himself and he, he laid himself uh, on the body long enough to warm up the body. And the Bible says that he commanded the Lord to return that spirit. And the scriptures say that the boy sneezed seven times and was made alive again. Some of you remember Elijah was so cold that the Bible says that uh, when the Israel a family was burying a, a, a man that passed and they saw the Moabite raiders coming in. And, and when they saw them, rather than face those Moabites with that dead body, they just threw him into the sepulcher of Elijah. And when he hid his bones, when that dead body touched the bones of Elijah, he came to life. Oh. I'm saying all this for your help. Now follow me. So, so, some of y'all remember the first rising of the Bible is recorded as the, the widow of Nain. Her son died. And, they were actually on a funeral procession. The boy was already entombed. He was in a casket. They were going to the, to the cemetery, if you will. And Jesus had compassion. He went and touched the coffin. And he says, young boy, arise. Get up. And the boy sat up in his coffin. Everybody praised the Lord. Some of y'all remember the story of Jairus' daughter. I believe that's the second rising in the Bible. Jairus' daughter was sick. And when Jairus came to the Lord, he said, my daughter is ill. He said, well, let's go. I'll go with you pray. And as they were going, another messenger came and said, don't bother coming. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus says, let's go anyway. And you remember this popular passage of scripture where Jesus says, Talitha kumai. And, and he took the young damsel by her hand and stood her up to her feet. He says, give her something to eat. <laughs> when we get to the story of Lazarus this is a uniquely different experience I just want you to see that that there's a delay in this one 
there's something unique in this because Jesus is trying to teach you about glory about what it is to love God to such a state in your life to recognize that even the love of God might delay itself to you and Jesus is trying to teach a kingdom principle here uh, to those that want to get richer in the love of God that, that your, your delayed gratification is often an expression of God where he demonstrates the maximization of his love in your life.